Sapna Pieru is an award-winning founder of the brand consultancy Inner Visions ID. She is also a best-selling author and speaker with 25 years experience expanding over design, marketing, advertising, and media sales. She has also worked with big brands like Rimmel, Mercedes, and Sony Ericsson at design agencies. Sapna studied graphic design at the University of Northumbria, but realized that an arts degree hadn't really prepared her for the world of business. So she then did a postgraduate diploma in marketing. And over the years, Sapna has worked both as a designer and also been the client commissioning design. She's experienced the frustrations from both sides and realized the problems came from a fundamental lack of understanding between clients and creatives. Using her big brand experience, Sapna started her own agency four years ago, working with ambitious global entrepreneurs who want to make a difference. Her company helps them look great and communicate their vision and message more clearly. And she's developed the vision process as a collaborative one that brings increased clarity of communication, resulting in no second guessing or mind reading for the designer and complete brand clarity, stand out and supercharged business growth for the business owner. Sapna is also the Shifts to Success brand mentor and just recently has become a business mentor for the University of West London. This one was recorded in February 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, Sapna Pieru. For brands that don't have that, whether they're startup and they don't have anything or whether they've been going for years but just been doing it as trial and error, that lack of clarity within the business with their branding also translates to a lack of clarity for your audience. Mm. Because if you don't show up consistently with the same, with a similar look and style and feel, um, you're not going to get recognized. And if you're not being recognized each time, you, you know, you've got seven seconds or less to make an impact. I'd say less online, um, but because people just scroll. So you need to make that impact in one or two seconds if you're online and if you're on a Facebook feed. And so branding is one of those things that actually gives you clarity and people can actually identify you. The Shifts to Success podcast, a show about business, entrepreneurship, and the people who've made remarkable shifts in their lives. So Sapna, what I'd like to do is start off this episode by asking, uh, where are you from and what was it like for you growing up as a child? Oh, that was quite a long time ago. Let's see if I can remember. (laughs) Um, Well, I was actually born in Mauritius. Um, don't know if you knew that, but um, so my dad's from Mauritius, my mum's from India, and they met when my dad uh, left Mauritius to go and study medicine because they're both doctors, and they met at medical college in Bom- in Bombay, and then he brought her back to Mauritius, and I and I, I was born there, so I I, I left the, the island when I was um, just under two because they could get the train uh, the plane fare cheaper if I was under two, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I came to England uh, when I was uh, just just before two and. Uh, generally have lived up north we started off in London but then my dad got a job in Manchester so I went to primary school in Manchester secondary school in Sheffield uh, university in Newcastle which is where I studied graphic design and marketing mm, okay uh, well, two different so courses would it be fair to say you're quite academic you know was you a bit of a rebel what, what was you like as a person oh, well coming from an Asian family you know yeah. the work ethic is very very strong um, and my dad was always you know you're a foreigner in, in the UK you've got to work twice as hard 
um, as it was <laughs> back then. Mm. Um, so, you know, he, very strong work ethic in our family. And um, I was a bit of a girly swat, it has to be said. Um, so I was always sort of, you know, near, near the top, if not at the top of the class. So I'm um, a very well behaved child as well, because my parents are very strict. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I never dared get into trouble. Um, so yeah, I'd say I only really sort of when I hit my teenage years sort of started, uh, you know, probably by the time I was about 16, 17, I started sort of pulling away. But, um, until then I think I was very, I, I'd given my, my parents no need to worry. <laughs> awesome. And you mentioned university. What did you study at university? Sorry. Um, so I, I did a degree in graphic design. Um, and then I did a postgraduate uh, diploma in marketing because I realized that the graphic design degree hadn't really prepared me for the world of business. Mm. Um, and um, it teaches you to be creative, but it, it didn't really. And I always knew I wanted to be a graphic designer and, and actually help businesses. So um, I wanted that commercial edge as well. So I took the postgrad in marketing so I could see how design could fit into the marketing mix. And so I could speak to business people in their language. Incredible. Um, what kind of jobs did you have growing up? You know, what was your first job? Um, well, when I was a teenager, I wanted to start earning my own money. Um, and so um, I started off probably working in my, in my parents' friend's card shop, like a gift card and gift shop, which um, found a little bit dull. Um, and then as soon as I turned 18, I got a bar job, which was uh, far more fun. Obviously, my dad didn't want me hanging out in bars all the time, but um, it, was, it, was a, it was a really good laugh. And I, it felt like I was getting paid to... Um, to, to socialize but um, the other side hustle I had was because I, I love painting um, I was always doing um, drawings and paintings for you know family friends and family as gifts um, and then I started to get commissions so um, so I'd actually start doing oil paintings um, and, um, and and doing them as, as, as gifts for, for friends and actually you know so people would pay me um, to do that so that was kind of quite nice amazing stuff yeah um, so it's always was... been creative yeah, that's awesome. And what kind of um, other jobs did you go into as you as you went through life at that age? Uh, well, so when I was a teenager, that was pretty much it. I was doing my A-levels. But um, once I graduated, um, the first job I got offered, actually, I didn't apply for it. I've not actually applied for that many jobs. So they've just got come along. Mm -hmm. um, but the, I, I uh, did a, the final module of my marketing course. Uh, we had to uh, sell radio Okay. Um, or sell, sell a brand on radio, shall I say, for, you know, and come up with an idea of how to sell. So we got given as a brand, we got Hagen Das. Um, so it was kind of quite, quite a sexy brand to work with. Some people got motor shit dealers or whatever. But um, yeah, so we, we had a lot of fun. It was, it was actually a video project um, on how to sell radio, weirdly. And the, um, the marketing director at the local radio station saw my, saw my project and offered me a job on the spot. Wow. So, um, so that was kind of quite weird because I was, I was thinking of going traveling for a year, but then I got an offer of working at the, you know, the local radio station, which was the, the market leader in its area. And, um, and I thought, well, I might get to meet Robbie Williams. So, um, so I was a bit of a fan at the time. So, so, you know, I was like 24 and I thought this sounds, it's kind of, loads of my friends were still writing off for jobs and here I was handed one. So I, so I took the opportunity um because i just thought well this this sounds like a fantastic opportunity and it was um what's really nice is that the, my boss then john raglan um actually came back and was a client of mine when i started my, my branding agency so it was a really nice full circle we're still friends oh phenomenal and let's yeah. go on to that so so why business you know you, you've got this this job this great opportunity you know why did you go into business well I've, i had various you know because i've well, I spent over 20 years in media 
Um, mm. So I started off in radio and it was actually doing marketing for the radio group. Um, and then I thought I should work at some design agencies and actually use my degree a bit more. So I, so I went into um, working at design agencies, missed radio, missed, missed working in media. So then worked in sponsorship and promotions in radio, went back into radio for the Galaxy Network, which is owned by Chrysalis. Mm. Then came down to London and um, worked for Atlantic 252, which is now a defunct radio station, but um, then worked for Kiss and Magic. So worked for EMAP. Um, and again, it was all about brands and helping brands uh, bring their messaging to life on air. Mm. And then after seven years of doing radio, I thought well, I want to move into magazines. So I, I ended up working in the cross media department and I was kind of uh, planning brand campaigns across um, the EMAP magazines like Grazia and FHM and Heat. Um, you know, lots of consumer magazines, smash hits and um, loads, um, Q Magazine, Empire. Um, and working with big brands um, and helping them, you know, engage their audiences with sponsored content and promotions. So um, I was dealing with um, designers still, briefing out designers and um, working with web developers to make these campaigns come to life, but not actually doing that side of it myself, even though, you know, I had those skills. So, um, so then when I, um, I kind of, I ended up doing the same for the Telegraph and then I ended up working in mobile advertising because that was the big thing. Then digital was growing. So I, I went over there and worked for O2 Media um, and a company called Blick. Um, so yeah, once I had my children though, um, it was, it was the need to um, have a bit more flexibility, a bit more work-life balance. Hmm. So um, after Luke was born, who's nine now, um, he, I, I decided to go freelance as a media consultant. Um, and I didn't really know what that was going to mean, but I just put it on LinkedIn um, and contacted some of my old bosses and, you know, who'd moved on to various different um, companies. And uh, I got my first gig uh, doing, doing some work for Trinity Mirror Group. So, so that was great. And then another ex-boss got me a job at Ashika, the homeworkers company. And another boss had got me a job at the uh, O2, O2 Media. So I was, I was doing all right, just doing three days a week. Um, I'm just, you know, sort of freelancing, really, with a day rate. And then after I had um, Leon, a couple of years later, I got postnatal depression. Mm. Um, and I found that really, really difficult. I suddenly went from, you know, feeling in control of my life to to feeling really out of control and getting out of bed and, you know, getting showered and dressed and out of the house before 11 a.m. became, you know, a challenge for me. Um, and it completely changed who I was as a person. So I'd gone from someone that was actually quite confident um, to somebody that, you know, I hated my, my post-baby body. Um, I hated how I felt. I just felt overwhelmed all the time and exhausted all the time. I know quite a lot of that's, you know, new mum stuff, but um, I went to the doctor and she, um, you know, di diagnosed me. So, I needed to take some time out. So I stopped, you know, I, I got out of the media world because it was long hours still and, um, you know, boozy lunches and, you know, boozy events. And I just couldn't do that anymore. I needed to look after myself and my babies. Mm -hmm. So um, I did another degree, as you do when you're <laughs> suffering from postnatal depression and you've got a toddler and a baby. Um, I took on a, a, a different degree in interior design this time. And with a view to starting my own business in, in that area, something that I could do from home and fit it around the kids. And I just like making things look beautiful and, you know, work better. So, um, so did that. And then um, as a result of my husband starting um, an entrepreneur course, his brochure got seen at an event and the speaker um, actually held it up as, as the gold standard of you know what should what can be achieved and what should be achieved 
Um, and uh, cut a long story short, Andy came home with seven business cards that day hmm. um, of, uh, you know, other entrepreneurs who I'd never met who wanted me to, to help them. So I kind of realized that maybe this was my new business. Um, and it actually, it took that random event for me to realize that all it was, it, you know, all the experience that I'd had in the past working with big brands, um, you know, making their messages come to life and helping them communicate um, as well as look good um, was something that I could do myself. I hadn't, it, it, you know, I hadn't seen it because of the depression. I hadn't even thought of it. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so that's how my business started. It was kind of an accidental business really. Um, but I just, I wrote back to them all and said, thank you for your interest in working with me. I had six weeks left of my degree and I was mm. gunning for a first. I was on my final module. Um, Cause you know me, Alex, whatever I do, I've got to do to, you know, a really high standard mm -hmm. so um so i wrote back to them and said that i was available to work with them in six weeks time if that was okay um and three of them chose to wait and four of them didn't so that was fine i started my business with three clients so yeah and then word of mouth just grew it and that was wow. four years ago i think wow amazing mm. amazing story yeah so, so i mean i mean if you don't mind me asking you know how did you how did you overcome the kind of postnatal depression? Was it just time that was the healer here or did you do anything that helped? Well, the, the doctor, you know, doctors do quite, tend to be quite prescription happy mm. sometimes. And she was like, oh, yes, we, we, you know, you've got mild postnatal depression. I said, well, it doesn't feel mild to me. Um, but um, she said, well, that just, just means you don't want to harm yourself or your children if it's a savvy class it um, and, and, I, and she was like, oh, I'll prescribe you some drugs. And I was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to take. Uh, medication I want to deal with this you know I wanted to not be zoned out I didn't know what effect the drugs would have on me and I and I wanted to be compass mentis for my children um so you know I mean obviously some people do take medication it does work but I, I you know I suppose being the, the daughter of two doctors I am um, kind of shy away from uh, a lot of medication mm. um and uh so I, I treated myself you know I put myself down for CBT uh, so I went on a waiting list, so cognitive behavioral therapy. So I, I, I had a therapist for um, a period of weeks. And um, because I was on the NHS, um, I, I had to wait for that. So I actually one night got drunk with a friend and signed up to do a half marathon, as you do. Wow. Um, and decided to start running. And, and the running really helped, actually. It really helped. It, you know, it changed my body shape. Um, I, I lost some of the weight that I hated. Um, and it got me outside and, um, you know, we all know that exercise is good for the for the heart and the mind and the soul so so I think by the time my therapy sessions came round, I was feeling a lot better um and I said well I don't know if I actually need to need to go to these now um but Andy my husband said no go to them because it will help mm. and it did help and it actually gave me coping mechanisms and um you know to be more aware of the triggers so I don't know if ever if you're ever totally cured, but I'm. I know that I know I can cope with it now, and I can manage it. So I'm, I'm not postnatally depressed, but you know, sometimes you can you can go into those phases, um, and it's it's quite easy to fall back into that way of thinking. So now I know how to pull myself out of it. Amazing. Well, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it. No um, and it's inspiring. Very inspiring. Um, and yeah, I'm sure your listeners are going to be inspired by that story in itself. Um, so you've gone into business now um, yeah. due to your fabulous brochures and um, you've got some clients going. Um, who would you say right now is your, your target customer? Who, who, who would you ideally like to work with? So, I've all, so the business started with entrepreneurs and, um, and 
it, it, there's been no particular vertical that I work in because um, entrepreneurs set up all kinds of businesses. And I really struggled with this. It's like, well, who do I actually target? I, mean, I think the first thing that I realized is that they're all ambitious um, and they think big because the kind of people that I work with see the value in branding and um, are prepared to invest in it. Um, so with working with, with you, Alex, um, obviously, and Shifts to Success, if I could, can I give them a plug? Sure, I am. You can indeed. <laughs> Your company, for which I'm a brand, um, uh, the brand mentor. Thank you for that position. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously now I'm working with startups coming through your um, course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it's, it's not, you know, I've got established businesses, six or seven figure businesses and startups, which I've got a different product for now, um, the One Day Branding Workshop. But um, the thing that unites them is, um, is ambition. But I think also I've, I, I, pin, I pinned it down to people who, are, um, who want to make a positive difference in the world. So I'd say purpose-driven, ambitious, purpose-driven entrepreneurs are really my target market now. Amazing. Amazing. And yeah. what kind of um, problems do you think, you know, or, like, or common problems that you're seeing um, your target customer go through when it comes to branding? Oh, well, well, you know, we kind of, I kind of looked at this very strongly when I was starting the business and um, wanting to be able to, to help people in the best way. And the three, there are three key problems that, um, that keep coming um, through. So um, the first one is a lack of clarity. And, you know, an entrepreneur, certainly when they start a business, but it can be with um, established businesses as well. I'm working with a business that's 10, that's 10 years old and the clarity has ended up getting diluted because as more people come into the business, um, they're all producing assets and they're all producing, um, you know, one of them will go off and do this and then the other one will produce a brochure and somebody else will do the website. Um, and it spirals out of control because, um, you know, they're, all, they're not doing it with a strategy and they're not joining it all up. So a lack of clarity um, can mean that your messaging isn't um, on point and um, the designs are all looking different. And um, as you know, you're very good with your branding um, in that it's very consistent. And whenever it shows up online or wherever you see it, you, it's very identifiable mm. as coming from Shifts to Success. But for brands that don't have that, whether they're startup and they don't have anything or whether they've been going for years, but just been doing it as trial and error, that lack of clarity within the business with their branding also translates to a lack of clarity for your audience. Mm. Because if you don't show up consistently with the same, with a similar look and style and feel, um, you're not going to get recognized. And if you're not being recognized each time, you, you know, you've got seven seconds or less to make an impact. I'd say less online, um, but because people just scroll. So you need to make that impact in one or two seconds if you're online and if you're on a Facebook feed. And so branding is one of those things that actually gives you clarity and people can actually identify you. Um, so clarity is the first one. The second one is... Um, uh, lack of resource. So for a lot of companies, um, a lack of resource can mean a lack of time, uh, a lack of uh, staff, a lack of knowledge, or a lack of money to actually get branding done properly. So what the entrepreneur will do is try and do it themselves, or try and get it done cheaply, um, um, or try and get one of their mates with a Mac to do it, you know, or, or just, you know, download a copy of Adobe something and, and try and do it themselves. And, and it always ends up, what they don't understand is that by doing it on the cheap and by making it look, you know, it, if it doesn't look professional and if it, if it just looks a bit homemade, that it's casting aspersions as to the quality of their business. Mm-hmm. 
So that lack of resource thing, I've had people saying to me, well, I'll, I'll get branding sorted when I can afford it, when I've got a few more clients. Whereas I always say, well, if you actually get your branding done first, um, you actually attract those target audience, um, your target clients um, quicker and you make the return back on your um, investment much quicker as well. So um, what a lot of people don't realize is that branding, bad, bad, branding done badly can actually put off clients silently. Um, so it can actually draw people in if it's, if, it's, if it's good branding and it can actually put people off if it's bad branding. So you're losing sales without even knowing. Um, and, that's, and that's the danger. So this lack of resource thing, I mean, I've actually built into my, into my offering now um, payment plans to, to, to help entrepreneurs get branded sooner and they can pay over a year mm. um, because I, I'm that confident that it will help grow their business um, you know, more quickly. And the third um, problem that I see, and this is the killer, is um, a lack of visibility. Mm. So that's one my, my book, which we'll talk about later, um, is called Let's Get Visible. But one of the, the big things um, that I'm, uh, you know, that I bang on about all the time that is, it doesn't matter how good your product or service is, because if you're not being seen and you're not catching people's attention for the right reasons, um, you're as good as invisible. Mm. Um, so, you know, you're pump, punting out all this stuff and all this content, but if nobody recognizes you when they see you online or they don't notice you or they look at your website and it looks a bit rubbish and, you know, um, and they, they go and they'll go to your better looking competitor. Um, and that doesn't mean that your competitor is better than you, but it means that they've probably invested more in branding. They look better and they look more professional and they're, they're winning the business from you. So, so that's the, you know, the third um, problem that I see is, uh, is, is people feeling invisible. How do you stand out in your marketplace? How do you, you know, catch people's attentions and actually also how do you convey that you're different from, from your competitors? That's, that's phenomenal. It sounds like you've done so much in-depth research on that and really understand yes. your customers, which is yes, phenomenal. Yes. Really, really good stuff. Um, what would you say there's like the most common problems that you find in 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 the business sector where when it comes to branding is it is it um i don't know a logo that doesn't speak to their customers or a, a color that just is, is isn't nice what is it what you're finding in the market that really is a common problem common mistake sorry i think just bad branding i think people so, the, so i talk about this in the book but i think the reason that there is so much bad branding out there is because we're not um our education system doesn't teach us about design and doesn't teach us um, what good design and bad design is. So, you know, it's all about reading, writing and arithmetic um, at school and, um, and the arts are, are not prioritized in any way, shape or form. Um, whereas, you know, I sort of like a quote, a book, there's, there's a book called The Year of Living Danishly and, it's, um, and Denmark is actually um, stated to be one of the, happy, the happiest country in the, in the world. And they put huge emphasis on design um, and, and, and that being one of the reasons that they've actually got a, a, a you know, a happier nation is that they, they pay attention to, um, you know, design and they have beautiful homes. Obviously a lot of um, their time is spent indoors because of the dark nights, the long nights in the Nordic countries. So they put much more emphasis on things being beautifully designed. Whereas in the UK, there is not really much of a design sensibility. So people will don't realize how design can make them feel different. Um, and how good design can make them feel different. I, I experience this almost on a daily basis when I change, when I, when I rebrand companies, um, you know, and having entrepreneurs say to me, oh my God, it looks so much better. Oh my God, I'm so happy. Now, you know, they, they get quite emotional actually. Mm. So, so branding should have that power to move you 
um, and not just move you as the entrepreneur, but also to move your audience. Mm. Um, and most, uh, so much of the branding that I see now is so generic because yeah, you can go on Fiverr and, you know, get a generic logo slapped together, or you can go on Etsy and get a logo for 10 quid. But those people are not really digging deep into what your company is about and the uniqueness of what makes your, you, you, and you, you know, your company, your company, and which is what I really work on the first. I mean, my, my, my process is called the vision process. And the first three parts of that visualize in a brand and stand out and nothing to do with design and everything to do with finding out what really is going to turn your customers on um, and appeal to them and speak to them. Um, and to convey what your business is about to them as well. So I think uh, the big the big mistake is that people think that they can do it on the cheap and they mm. just slap a logo on it and there's no meaning to, or depth to that logo. And I would say nobody nobody falls in love with a logo. Nobody feels brand passionate mm. um, about a logo, right? Mm. So your your customers buy into you because of if they feel that you share the same vision. Mm. Um, and that you share the same beliefs and you have the same values. Um, and so for, for entrepreneurs who just rush straight to getting their logo done without exploring all of that behind and really thinking about what is going to connect their audience to their brand, you're, they're missing a trick. And so I'd say that's probably the biggest mistake. Wow. Incredible. And I suppose a big part of that is, you know, looking at competitors out there. Um, do you think that's an important thing to do if, if you are designing a new brand? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's the third step. I mean, the, so the visualized part of, of, of the first bit is kind of what's the dream? Yeah. What's your ambition? Where do you, where are you now? And where do you want to be in three to five years time? I always mm. say three to five years time because we can't really think that much further ahead. Um, but also because your business is going to evolve over time and your branding should evolve as well as your business evolves. So, um, so only look to the next three to five years for your, for your branding. It shouldn't, shouldn't be like, I met, I remember meeting a, an entrepreneur at an event and them saying that they, they designed their logo themselves from number one, mistake number one, but they did it 25 years ago. Wow. So you can imagine how dated that looked now. So because fashions change and styles change, so you, you must always kind of keep, keep looking at that. So visualize the three, three to five months, but also what's your customer vision? Where do they want to be when they've worked with you, when they've spent money with you? Where are they now? What are their problems? Who are they? What are their problems? And where do they want to be? How, what's the transformation that you're going to bring into their lives? So that's really, really important to set that big picture vision out first. Um, and we also look at aspirational brands in this, in this part of the, of the journey. Um, so we look at five aspirational brands where you look at thing, uh, different brands and go, well, one day I want, to, I want my company to be thought of like that. Mm. Um, and um, we did this um, when I was branding just to success, didn't we, Alex? Correct. Um, yep. can, you, can you remember your, your aspirational brands? I believe Apple, Nike um, and Mercedes was in there. I think there was. I thought there was a Tesla. 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 Yeah. So, so as soon as you start thinking about those brands, then mm. um, you start to realize that actually it's not the logo that makes you feel connected to those brands. Mm. Yes, right? true. Very true. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, so, you know, what, why, is, uh, why is Nike important to you, Alexander? What, what, um, you know? I, I feel, I, for me, I feel like um, it's, uh, it's uh, action-taking brands, like getting out of there, just doing the just, thing you just want to do. do it, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And that's very much your attitude as well. It's just, just no fucking excuses, just do it, right? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so there's a feeling, there's an emotion there um, mm. and there's a power and there's an energy, mm. which, um, you know, which is something that attracted you to that brand. So I always th- say to any entrepreneur thinking about rebranding, think about your aspirational brands and start looking. It's not about copying them, but it's about finding out why they're important to you. And then you realize that your brand is not your logo um, and building those, those, that, personality and that energy into your brand so the next stage we look at is is the is the inner brand which is where we start to flesh out your brand um values um and obviously for you um tell me what some of your values are alex that you hold dear for shifts to success um for me it's um god um getting shit done is a big important one uh results is a is a key one um becoming getting outside your comfort zone so breaking out getting outside your comfort zone brave. Um, making yeah exactly um making the change so having the courage to change um and i believe one of the values i have as well that life is meant for living and not sacrificing a wage uh sorry your life for a wage your happiness for a wage yeah um so your brand is very positive it's mm-hmm. very um energetic it's very dynamic um, you know, and it's a powerful, it's a powerful brand. Um, and it speaks very deeply to your target market about all those things. Mm-hmm. So, so your brand personality is, is, um, is actually how it, how that is conveyed. And so, um, you know, it's very clear language. Um, that's your brand voice as well. So, um, and it's bold, um, colors that we use. It's very positive. There's that flash of orange that gives it energy. Um, but the blue is kind of safe. It's a safe place as well. Hmm. Um, it's secure and it's, you know, it's quite corporate in that sense. It's a, it's a solid company. Hmm. Um, but, but the, uh, the orange is kind of the, the thing that comes in and gives it that energy and that drive. So, so yeah, so we look at all of that, that aspect, you know, you're we're not talking about color yet, actually, I've just skipped ahead, but you know, we start, start to build that personality and build that brand voice. I remember talking to you about, you know, short words and shorter sentences mm-hmm. when we were looking at your, your brochure copy, because it, it needs to have that, that, that punchy effect correct um, yep. and not be too not be too wordy and lose people in long paragraphs mm-hmm. um so so yeah so we establish that and then we start looking at competition so standout is the third stage and that's when we do a competitor analysis and it's really important to do that because i'm big on so if you're going to be visible um then you mustn't look like your competitors right mm-hmm. so don't just try and follow the crowd because oh you work in property so let's have a house you know um as part of your logo or um you know i see this a lot with property you know hmo um sort of managers where they, they sort of have a pair of hands holding cradling a house maybe mm. um that's the sort of cliche so i sort of encourage entrepreneurs to look at and understand their landscape their industry landscape um and there will be branding norms and branding cliches within that industry landscape i've just mentioned a couple of them mm-hmm. um but, you know, it might be colors. So if I say organic, if you're working in the organic um, uh, business or industries, um, what colors come to mind, Alex? Uh, green, browns. Yeah. Yep. There colors. you go. Yeah. Earthy colors. So if you were an entrepreneur in and doing something in that organic space or using all natural, you know, oils or whatever, and you wanted to stand out, I'd say potentially don't use green and brown. Mm. You can stand out by doing by using different colors so i wouldn't say change everything there are three aspects to building your brand to build to building the visual aspect of your brand which is type color and imagery Mm. um and i always say some of it needs to be recognizable um you know you need to you need to not be so different that people don't recognize what you're doing but then you put a twist on it to show that you're doing something slightly different 
So, um, for example, uh, there's um, one of one of your delegates, um, Kelly. Uh, brought, I didn't do her branding, but um, I thought her branding was really good for what she was doing mm -hmm. because she um, has gone into the property um, industry, but she used shocking pink mm -hmm. um, for arse properties. Now, in the sea of like blues and greens, um, you know, her boards stand out. Massively, yep. Massively. Um, and even if you Google, you know, her, her business or, like, you know, estate agency logos or something like that, you know, you, you, her, her, her brand just pops out on the page. Mm -hmm. So she did something very different with color, but you could do it by doing something different with type or you could do it by doing something different with the imagery. So for Lorna Reeves, um, who is another of um, the Shifts to Success um, success stories, mm -hmm. um, she, um, when, when we were doing her logo for My Oh My Weddings, um, you know, we, we were looking at the imagery for weddings and that was just awful. It was all wedding rings, flowers, mm. um, wedding bells, um, a bride and a groom. And obviously her, her company's for the LGBT community. So that wasn't working. And we didn't want to put a groom and a groom or a bride and a bride or, or, you know, two brides and two grooms. It was just too much. So I said to her, well, why don't we do something completely different? Let's look at what's the language of love rather than the language of weddings or marriages, which is what we've been searching. And as soon as we put in, you know, symbolism around love, that's when the dove came up. Mm. Um, and we thought, oh, we like the dove. Um, and I, and, I, was, and I, I put the dove in her logo. And actually I said, because the other thing about doves is it's not just about love, but it's about freedom. And, um, and for Lorna's couples, it was about the freedom to marry who they wanted, um, where they wanted and how they wanted, you know, um, which is, was a big thing for the, for the, you know, the LGBT community. And as soon as we put that on, on her logo, you know, that's when Lorna burst out crying because it all came together and it had such meaning. So, so that's what I mean when, you know, branding should, should, should help you stand out um, because there's nobody, as far as I'm aware, no, no other wedding co company that was using that kind of imagery. They were all just going down the cliche route, mm. um, whereas Lorna's actually has a message. Incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Um, it's almost like a science to it, isn't there? It's like a very, you know, you've got a lot of thought goes into it. And, you know, if anyone can listen to this podcast, that, you know, there has to be a lot of... Um, a lot of precision into it as well, which is... It's, it's strategy. It's like with any yeah. business, um, I, 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 you know, you, you start off both the planning, you know, the V and the I and the S of vision are all about planning and working out the strategy, which is what means that by the time we get to the next I, which is image, it comes together really quickly mm. because we've done all that research. And that's how I can, I can, you know, brand entrepreneurs in a day, startup entrepreneurs in a day. And people go, can you, you can do that in a day. And it's like the whole of the morning is research. And we normally nail the, 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 the logo within about an hour and a half wow. on that day, because we've done all that research in the morning, three to four hours of research. It's amazing. Incredible. What mm. kind of tips would you give? Um, let's say if someone was naming a company, you know, what kind of tips can you give in relation to that? Cause, um, I, know, I see a lot of companies out there who give some initials to their company, like ABC company. And, you know, as a, if I was a customer of that, I, I wouldn't really know what ABC meant. Do you no. know of any tips you could give someone naming the company? Well, I'm always quite a, I'm quite a positive person. So I always like to talk about the transformation um, that, you know, you can bring. So if you can, um, you know, sort of tell it like it is on, you know, like shifts to success is exactly, it takes the, the, the viewer on a journey, doesn't it? It takes your audience on a journey and you're saying what you're going to do in your business title. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's what, you know, you can name by desire. That's, that's called naming by desire. Um, some 
companies may name by the problem. So you might put the problem in. I prefer not to, because I prefer to talk about the transformation. But, um, you know, rent a kill is telling you what they're going to do. <laughs> Um, and, um, you know, it's, it is talking about the transformation, but it's quite, it's quite a, you know, I think any, any brand name with the word kill in it is, uh, is probably quite negative, but it's worked for them. So there is a valid validity to, you know, Weight Watchers is another one where, you know, it's kind of like you're talking about, you know, it, you, you've got the word weight in there. Um, but I, you know, I prefer to, 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 to think about the more positive um, side. You can just make up a, a, a word, obviously you can, you can do that as well. Um, so you could you could do a word mash of like two things that go together a bit like um, well Pinterest is you know it's like it's pinning it's like a pin board and and it's pinning your interests um, or um, I've, got, I've got a whole thing on name on naming in the book actually I'm just sort of thinking off the top of my head right now um, you can name um, you can just appropriate a, a word a random word like um, apple or blackberry or orange it's it's really hard to trademark that though so if you're thinking mm. about trademarking it's better to try and get a unique name that nobody else has got so um so yeah i mean people some people do name their companies after themselves as well um so you might as an entrepreneur want to name the company after yourself um and that works maybe if you're going to be like a designer or something like that you know like a fashion designer or interior designers that that can work but if you wanted to scale the business any and um make it look bigger than just you mm-hmm. then um it, it, it's probably you know advisable to go for a company name um, instead, and I know that's that's one thing that we do talk about with a lot of the the startups on shifts of success is about is you know coming up with a company name that's it's also going to help people understand what you do. So if your company was called Alexander Siri, nobody would really know what you do. Right. So um, so so your business name can you know it's the first point of contact for people. Sometimes often before they've seen your logo, they might hear you talking about it, or hear somebody else will get will get a verbal recommendation. So if you can tell a bit of a story in the name, I think that that's a, a good way to go about. But obviously, you need to make sure that you can get the URLs, mm. um, preferably the .com, um, and, and and make sure that it's not registered on Companies House, you know, to, to anybody else as well. Um, if you've got a name that has been used for another sector, for example, if you are in, uh, you know, if you're a business coach and your business name has been used for a manufacturing uh, company or whatever, you can you can get around that by using the name and then adding something else to it to make it unique to you. So another of your um, delegates has just um, that I'm working with um, is, has just started a concierge moving uh, house moving service. And we've named it Nest Concierge. Incredible. So there is another brand called Nest, but she's made it hers by adding the word concierge on there. Amazing. Amazing, amazing stuff. Great advice and great tips. Um, Brand guidelines. Um, Now, I know why they're so important myself, but I think it's going to be so much value to give to let the audience know, listen to this, why brand guidelines are so freaking important for your business. I think you could tell them why brand guidelines are so freaking important for your business, couldn't you? <laughs> it's, it's saved me a lot of time, a lot of hassle. You're, you're star pupil. You are star. You have used your brand guidelines and and completely, you know, worked them. And and it's and it's just testament to you know you've you've managed to build your brand and you've adhered to your brand guidelines because I know you're like me. You're quite a stickler for things, mm. um, being exact and you know sort of of a high quality. So, um, yeah, your brand guidelines keep you on, keep you on point, you know, keep you looking recognizable, keep that consistency. 
um, going through all your collateral. Um, the people recognize you. So when you show up online or in print um, or in person, you know, or at an event, people can identify your company within a second. Um, and that's, you know, but the brand guidelines help you keep, um, keep that consistency as your company grows and other people start um, producing assets for you as well. So, you know, your web developer and your designer and, you know, whether they're doing banners and whether they're doing, you know, kind of online ads, it, it all stays the same. So, yeah, they're absolutely crucial. And your brand guidelines should include, um, you know, kind of guidelines for how to use your logo, what to do with it and what not to do with it, you know, how not to use it. Because I see sometimes logos are, are really bastardized, you know, people will play with them or change the colors or stretch them or skew them. And it's like, no, 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 you mustn't do any of that keep it as it is don't try and recreate the logo yourself use the files that you were given um, you should also have guidelines of the, the consistent fonts to use um, so again you know because used with enough uh, consistency people start to associate that font with your company as well um, and um, and also the colors so you need to you know keep that consistency of color now the interesting thing about human beings is that we have um, a craving for uh, the familiar we need the familiar to feel comfortable with a business, but we also um, can get bored. As business owners, we, we can get bored because we see our branding every day, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we're dealing with it every day. So I see a lot of entrepreneurs will um, kind of try and mix it up a bit, you know, mm -hmm. and today we're gonna, we're gonna put some pink in there. Um, and then tomorrow we're gonna switch up that font because they're, they're a bit bored. And, and they also sort of feel they wanna get a bit creative themselves. They're a bit creative. Um, so, you know, they, they, they'll do, and, and it's just, it never works. It never works. So even though you, as, as, a, as human beings, we, we do crave variety um, as well, but you've got to remember that the posts and the content you're putting out, your audience probably only sees about five to 10% of it. So they are not getting bored of your content. You should, as an entrepreneur, if you're being consistent, you should get bored of your corporate identity because you see it all the time. But your your your, your target market don't. So so resist the urge to switch it up and stick to the you know one of the biggest things is stick to the damn brand guidelines. You know that's that's the and that's the the sixth part. So O is output where we talk about the brand guidelines and we talk about um, you know kind of uh, websites and brochures and things like that. But then N is um envision is about nurturing your brand and looking after it as it grows so and this is that resist the resist trying to change things just for change's sake mm. um because it doesn't it won't help your brand and it won't help recognition and that's a big mistake that i see um, entrepreneurs do once they've got their brand guidelines is they then put them in a box and never look at them again mm. <laughs> it's like well if you've yeah. invested in getting your branding done why are you doing that? Why are you now ruining it? And what I find, you know, with, with regards to brand guidelines is that it's an asset. It continues to deliver value far after the actual branding's been done, um, which, again, is just remarkable because it does save time. It saves stress. It saves energy. Um, so, yeah, there's been, they've absolutely been beneficial to me. Um, I and it also on... adds value to your company. Absolutely. It makes the Yes. If, so if an investor was going to look at the company, one of the things they would ask for is, is brand guidelines. Absolutely right. With regards to, uh, I want to go into your phenomenal book now. Um, you yeah. have just become a best-selling author in a number of categories, all of the categories. Um, congratulations, and please Thank do tell um, the audience what that book is about. 
Yeah, I beat Seth Godin, which I was very happy about. <laughs> Smashed him into second place, but also beat Lenny Henry. Wow. Bizarrely. Um, so there's my claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Matt Lucas, for some reason, they put it in arts and photography. So, um, but uh, yeah, but, uh, but I did get number one in branding and logo design, which was the main one. Um, so that was, that was really good as well. Um, so what do you want to know about it? It's, um, it basically tells you, um, right, it's, it's a very comprehensive, it's, it was written very much with clients like you in mind. I actually had you in my head when I was writing it, Alexander, and some of the conversations that we, 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 we've had over the, over the years of, of knowing each other um, and the things that I always have to explain to clients. I thought I'd put it in a book and then hopefully I won't need to explain them quite so much. I can just go, go and read my book. Um, but um, it basically answers all the questions that my clients have asked um, in, you know, over the years. Um, I even went on, what's that website that you um, recommend? Is it Answer, answer the Public? No, answer what's the Public, the, yeah. Yeah, I even went in there and I typed the word branding in and brand and I answered most of the questions that people were asking um in you know on the internet about brand and branding as well in this book amazing so um so the first third of the book talks about um you know kind of the importance of brand um and under sort of getting people to understand branding and the rise of the brand your brand foundations I talk about my do say see model which is you know kind of entrepreneurs focus on what they do and focus on they say but they don't focus on on what we see and so all those three those three pillars are crucial to actually building um a solid brand um and um you then I go through to the second part of the book which is the vision process um, which takes you through that v-i-s-i-o-n that i've just talked about mm -hmm. um, and there's case studies um, throughout the book you're in there you're in there on page <laughs> right. 95 yeah. but uh, quite a few of the shift to success uh, success stories are in here as well mm -hmm. um, and um, and and other clients other clients do i do just i don't just work with shift to success clients <laughs> so there are some other clients in there too um, and then part three um, goes into the techie stuff. So this was stuff that I found I was getting asked a lot. What does this mean? And what does that mean? So we look at things like color specifications, paper specifications, you know, what kind of um, paper should I be using for my brochure, my business card? What's the right weights? And, um, you know, what, how paper, how the choice of paper can actually affect your brand. Um, and we also look at environmental considerations as well, because that's big at the moment. And it's, it's one of my own passions is, is the environment. Um, and we also look at special finishes. So things like, you know, gold foiling or, um, you know, um, uh, embossing or die cutting. What do those terms mean? Um, and what are the effects that you can get? Um, and then we also, I've got a jargon buster. So all the words that your web developer, your, your designer would try to bamboozle you with um, to try and make out that they're cleverer than you and they know what they're talking about. You could read the jargon buster, you know exactly what, you're, what they're talking about and you can even, you know, kind of have those comments. It's quite interesting. I had a, a client who um, uh, was having his website done and um, she wasn't a client, she was just a friend actually, but um, who was having his website done and having some problems with the developers um, who were fobbing him off. He felt they were fobbing him off. And um, I sent him my, <laughs> sent him the book and um, he, he read the jargon buster and he was like, oh my gosh, it just gave him so much more clarity um, around talking to the web developers and all of a sudden, in his words, he ended up talking to the organ grinder and not the monkey because he suddenly 
he, he sounded like he knew what he was talking about and he felt more confident. So that's what that bit is about, is giving you the confidence, but it also breaks down the language so that you know what you're asking for, mm-hmm. um, to, for from your designer then and, um, and you know what they're talking about too. So it's about clearer communication. It's not just about building a clearer brand, but it's about increasing your communication skills so that you can um, talk to your designer in a more informed way and get a better result. Um, Because a lot of business owners, um, you know, it's a lot of my clients that come to me, they've worked with designers in the past and they go, that designer was shit. Can I swear? I just have. Sorry to bleep me out. Um, but they'll come to me and say, you know, I've been burnt in the past or that designer was shit or I ended up paying for some design that I didn't really like. I'm working with a client at the moment and she said, you know, I paid £800 for this logo and nobody likes it. No, we don't actually like it. And it's like, what? I don't understand how people can get into that situation. Mm. Um, so, you know, so she, she was saying she felt a bit burnt um, by the experience and she's working with me now and she's, she's just finding it a completely different experience. But it's about, it's about not knowing. And she was like, yeah, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so this book aims to, to fill in some of the gaps um, that the education system hasn't told us about and, 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 and help business owners. And I started by writing the book for business owners rather than designers, because I find that entrepreneurs tend to have uh, a really strong uh, learning ethic and they devour books uh, far more than uh, the design community do. Um, sorry, design community, I am a part of you, so I know how they think as well. Um, but hopefully book number two will be um, targeted at designers to help them to bridge that communications gap and help them think about design from a business point of view and close that communications gap both ways incredible Mm. absolutely amazing i've already got book number two in my head (laughs) (laughs) amazing i'm sure that's going to be reach number one as well um great stuff so back to you know your your business and what would you say is for you personally has been the biggest challenge for you building your business well as a mum of two children it's time it's always time. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of had my children a little bit later in life. Um, I had a fantastic career in media and, um, and then met Andy, you know, kind of later on. Um, and we, we had to get on with having babies fairly soon. So, um, you know, having, having children, I think for any working mum, you, it's, it's finding that time to actually grow the business. The thing that, I, that is my um, frustration is that, you know, um, my husband gets up and leaves the house at 7.30 and he, and he comes back at 6.30 and he's got a whole day dedicated to, um, to work, you know, five days a week, pretty much. Um, although he's been brilliant this, um, this half term, he's taken a lot of the load off me this half term. And it's, and it's great that he's, a, he's, a, he's an entrepreneur, so he is a lot more flexible than, than other dads may be. Mm. Um, and we can do that. So, you know, when I'm doing a day with you guys, um, he, he completely takes over the childcare, but the default is me. So, um, so I find, you know, I can't, I can't really get started with work until I've dropped the kids off at school, mm. you know, and then, um, and I pick them up three times a week. I pick them up at three 30. I've got two long days, um, where I pick them up at six. So my working hours are compressed somewhat. Um, and it does mean that I'll end up working late into the night. Sometimes if I'm working on my business, um, or, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, work at the weekends and stuff like that. So to try and get it all done. Mm. Uh, my other challenge at the moment is that because I champion other working women, um, uh, two of my designers are on maternity leave at the moment. So yeah. um, I'm a little bit stuck um, for, for good designers. And, and it's designers that, you know, I've sort of trained up in the vision process or I'm training up in the vision process. So it's not that I can just go and hire any designer. They've got to work the way that we work and be prepared mm. to, to do that training. And it's a, it's a different mindset as well. Mm. So, um, so that is a challenge. 
Incredible. Good designers. And what would you say to know? Because you obviously you have got two young uh, children. You've got a business that's growing. You know, you become a best-selling author. You're doing all these things. You're speaking. You're you know you're winning awards as well. What yeah. would you say to any um, you know mother listening who who has got children? Um, who is strapped for time, but does want to go into business as well. Um, what, what advice would you give? Well, um, get help. I mean, mm. wherever you can get help from, I can't do this on your, you know, I think, you know, outsource as much as you can, as early as you can um, and get, and get people, you know, helping you on your team. So that frees up, frees up some of your time and your headspace to be creative about your business and to actually think so you're not, chasing everything and you know if you've got your husband i mean i you know andy was quite happy to go to work from 7 30 to 6 30 and didn't realize that there was a problem for me because um everything seemed to be running ship shape i was running myself ragged and feeling more um, resentful of it mm -hmm. so you know communication is really important if you've got a partner um and sharing the workload um so ask you know i i i, I spoke to him and because and, i because i said you know when you started your business andy i was i was i was running the house full time for three years so he got used to that and then i started my business and um and found that i was still running the house and a business yeah. and i got really pissed off about it because i thought well how the hell can i grow my business if i'm having to do all this as well so we ended up splitting some of the jobs you know and i, yeah. I sort of spoke to him about the mental load mm -hmm. and um and he started cooking you know we got gusto boxes because he he didn't know how to cook really um so they they lay it all out and they give you all the ingredients and and and, and he really got into it and now he cooks because he's turned vegan now he, he cooks several times a week um, and that's just, it's just taken one thing off my head. You know, I don't need to think about that so much. Yeah, yeah. So get help wherever you can, childminders, um, rope family in if you're lucky enough that they live close by. Um, yeah. You know, get a VA, um, get, you know, get someone to do your social media. Cause I found I was spending too long on Facebook and too long. I got, you know, it's like a rabbit hole, social media. So yeah. outsource your social media can, you know, save you hours in the week. Um, yeah. Get a cleaner. I've got a cleaner who comes every Tuesday. Um, and you know, it just means that I can keep on top of, of my business. Incredible. And what's so inspiring mm. is that it can be done, which is just, which is great to hear for anyone listening. Who's, who's got kids and wanting to go into business. Um, Sapna's the story, hopefully, you yeah. know, will inspire to do, hopefully achieve the same. Um, Sapna, what would you, if you could go back in time, if you could step into a time capsule, what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? Um, that would be something highly valuable for your future. It's all going to be okay. Mm. <laughs> Reassuring <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I worried a lot as an 18-year-old. I think, you know, I'm, I'm one of life's worriers. So, um, you know, and you don't know what's ahead. And actually, you know, one of the things that I've always done is just seize the opportunity. So um, I wrote a blog post about it that was actually published in the Huffington Post a long time ago. Mm. Um, but it was about just say yes. And I, I say yes to opportunities. And obviously you get to the point where you get so busy, you have to say no to some of them now. Um, but in the beginning, certainly you just don't know where things are going to take you. Mm. Um, and I've always, you know, when I got off a job, the job in radio, it wasn't what I expected um, I, I would be doing. Um, it was the least visual medium you could think of. Um, but I said yes, because I thought, well, this wasn't just the Robbie Williams thing, but I thought, what a great opportunity. You know, it was, it was a great, or somebody was offering me a job for quite a sexy, you know, thing, marketing radio. So, and it wasn't where I was wanting to go, but it's helped me because mm. I've actually been, I've actually been the client. So there I was, I was in the marketing department, briefing out design agencies and getting work back that was substandard. 
And so I, it's, it's helped inform my book because actually I've been on the other side as well. Um, and, um, you know, so every experience I've had, um, you know, working with the big brands and, you know, if I can make a brand come to life on air in 30 seconds, um, you know, in a radio ad, then, you know, I can certainly bring a brand to life given the luxury of a brochure. Um, mm. cause you can get that, you can get that power, powerful, punchy message across in 30 seconds. So every experience I've had, I've used in, I, I'm now using in the business that I've got now. Mm. Um, so I, I th even if it's not particularly what you thought you were going to do if it, if it sounds fun and interesting just give it a go amazing 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 <laughs> advice um what i like to um, end these podcast episodes with is one one simple question and that is sapna what does entrepreneurship mean to you freedom that's the in one word it's just it's the freedom to live my life how I want, to work with who I want to. I've chosen to work with ambitious, purpose-driven entrepreneurs, and that's who I'm getting. Um, you know, the, it's the freedom to go to my children's nativity play or, you know, learning and sharing assembly and not have to ask for permission from anybody. Um, it's the freedom to go on holiday. Well, within the school holidays, anyway, we have to ask for permission from, from the head teacher if we want to go outside of that. But... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just not feeling guilty by, you know, not spending enough time with my children um, and giving them happy memories as well, being there for, for their big, big moments too. So, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Sapna Pieru, award-winning brand consultant and design coach, as well as best-selling author of Let's Get Visible. And you can find out more about Sapna's book at letsgetvisiblebook.com. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next one.